Welcome into Sports Talk. We're off and running for a full night of Illini coverage. Centering largely on Illinois and Indiana basketball tonight. Part two. It was women last night. It's the men tonight at the State Farm Center. I'm Scott Beatty along with Lauren Tate. We're here for the first hour of the program. And then in the five o'clock hour, Evan Kahn and Colin Likas will take you to the bottom of the five o'clock hour. And then Lauren and I, by that time, should be in place at the State Farm Center when we start our pregame coverage for a 7.30 p.m. tip. The Illini and the Hoosiers. Orange and blue and the candy stripes. Can't beat it. Especially on a rainy day in January. What happened to snow, Lauren? We used to have (laughs) snow in January. Don't ask for it. Don't ask for it. We don't need it. I would rather have it than this ugly rain. A nice little argument going on whether Illinois and Indiana is a big rivalry. Of course, it's a big rivalry, but is it the biggest rivalry for Indiana? Do they care more about Illinois than Purdue? Do they care more about Illinois than Kentucky? I can tell you probably they don't. But That's my now, guess. Yeah. It's timing. Yeah. If you go back 50 years, 60 years, yes, it was huge. I, I said, oh, you're sure. Even 40 you go years. back to Harry Combs and, and Branch McCracken, yeah. those two teams were playing for what? The NCAA bid because there's only one team in the Big Ten got to go, and those teams fought it out. And when Illinois was really good, they lost one year to, to Indiana, and Indiana went on and won the national championship. Yeah. Indiana was it was probably perceived, you know, obviously because they had those those seasons that they did and the national championships even into the eighties, probably a you know a step above Illinois. But then also you had two head coaches that couldn't be more foils of each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Lou the the gentle uh, leader and Bobby Knight the firebrand that that you know just would lose his lid unnecessarily and. And the recruiting battles and the player, I mean, it, it just kept going and going. And then, you know, and Illinois has had some, the Anderson shot, the Tyler Griffey layup, some some big moments against them. And Indiana's historically probably considered the more legacy program. With five national championships, yes. you think? Yeah. But, uh, but recent success has been in favor of Illinois. Just yeah. in terms of, you know, this yeah. last decade. Yeah, I read today where Illinois is three behind in the total numbers, but... I mean, it's a toss-up, and Illinois has been better lately. It's hard to tell sometimes with Brad, but when he was talking about this game yesterday, uh, you know, he mentioned, well, they were picked to win the league, and I don't know if that was sort of a, you know, internally he's rolling his eyes, and, well, Trace Jackson Davis is the player of the year, is the best player in the league, according to the preseason poll, you know, so I don't know if he's trying to give him a little extra motivation there. The coaches are dredging up all they can say oh, to yeah. make the other team look good every time. Yeah, and, and to motivate their own players. So, yeah, yep. but yeah. I, I I don't think it takes much motivation against when you play in Indiana. Illinois is going to be fired up for that game. What I, what we were talking about a moment ago was how Indiana feels about Illinois. What yeah. I'm talking about now is how Illinois feels about Indiana. Now, is Indiana a bigger rival than, let's say, certainly bigger than Northwestern, but is it bigger than Iowa? In the I, last few years, I'd say no. I think there's just been a little more animosity between the two teams, and it's been Illinois and Iowa you know, having to come down to it for, mm-hmm. for Big Ten titles. Well, it goes back to the Bruce Pearl era. Yes. And from that point on, uh, Iowa's been the bad guys. Yeah. And and Fran McCaffrey is perceived in certain ways, 
Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there was the chippiness in the in the handshake line a couple of years ago and all that. Yep, yep. But it's still, Indiana's still, uh, when you're playing Indiana, it really goes back in history for me because when I came up in the 1940s, boy, uh, Indiana and Illinois was huge. Yeah. I mean, you, you people were paying a lot of money to get in that Huff Gym before there was a before there was a State Farm Center or Assembly Hall and a State Farm Center. A guy who covers the other side of the rivalry is Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star, and he will be a guest with us coming up in a few minutes. He's going to be at the State Farm Center for tonight's game and will help us get a little insight on the Indiana Hoosiers. And then how about Ohio State? They lost hard times, didn't they? Yeah, lost to Nebraska. Jeff Goodman, who's a national basketball uh, reporter slash coverer of basketball, tweeted out, hey, Ohio State fans, be careful what you wish for because some of them are saying Chris Holtman's got to go. And he said, Thad Mata didn't make it to the tournament until his last couple of years at Ohio State. It took him a long time. And Holtman hasn't gotten very far with his Buckeye teams, but he's been to the tournament consistently. But a month ago, we thought they were pretty good. Yeah. And he's got one of the best two freshmen in the league, maybe. I think Sensabaugh is maybe the best freshman. And the guy that's right behind him is Hood Shafino. Oh, Hood Shafino's on Iowa, on Indiana. Yeah, I say he's the other one. Oh, I, I got you. I, I thought you I, meant. I'm saying that Sensabaugh and the guy we're going to see tonight are the, I think, the two best freshmen. Now, you might come up with somebody else, but I think they're the best two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Hood Shafino is averaging 18 points in his last seven games. Yeah, 13, 13 overall. He's from Pittsburgh, and he's a, and, he's been a good rookie. And Indiana's really needed him with two veterans on the yeah. shelf with injuries. Yeah, that's been kind of overlooked, but, I, I mean, I haven't seen much emphasis on that. But Johnson and Thompson together were averaging, in, uh, uh, you know, accumulated about a high teens uh, average for the two of them. And, and they, they're real thin without them. I mean, they, they just they can't go very deep because they really miss those guys. Plus the fact they're both seniors. Thompson is a sixth-year senior. So <laughs> he's had a little experience. And it's too bad he hurt his right – I think he hurt his knee. He hurt his right leg. MCL. And that was injured in – let me tell you what. That was injured in an Iowa game on January the 5th when Iowa was behind. When they built a 19-point lead on Iowa. 19-point lead and lost the game after he got hurt. He got hurt in the first half, and they fell apart in the second half. It was, By the way, that score, I believe, was 50-40 to 40 at the half. Wow. I mean, Iowa gives up a lot of points, but they score a lot. Early leads are... They are, come and go, don't they? Yeah. They're hard to keep in the second half, especially, you know, in the first half. All right, last night at the State Farm Center, it was a crowd of 5,583 for Illinois women's second biggest crowd of the year, and the biggest one was a field trip day where I think they had 8,000, but those were all mostly all little kids. This was all ages last night, Illinois and Indiana. Indiana, though, came out on top with uh, a pretty – they took it over in the second half. Illinois did make a rally, but – couldn't come any closer. First double-digit loss of the year. Here is Shauna Green on the loss. Give Indiana a ton of credit. They're they're a really good team with so many different weapons. So, you know, we we came out really strong. And first quarter was great. Then, you know, I, I thought once we got into some foul trouble in the second, it just kind of put us 
we just kind of we weren't we just couldn't score we couldn't score um so you can't score 10 points against a team like indiana and and think you're gonna beat them so but really really proud of our fight we came back you know we we won the fourth quarter 21 16 and and we're gonna learn from this we're, we're gonna grow from this game um and we're just still we're still a young and you know inexperienced team really um, so these are these are moments, these are opportunities for us to learn and to grow from. So, so they'll have to try and get one on the road against Northwestern. By the way, if it hadn't been raining, do you think we'd have top six thousand in that crowd? Ooh, I, I that had to a, keep some people away. I I would. I, that's a good question. I don't think the rain was bothersome in a. You know, it was not dangerous but it was no but it was, it was annoying it sure made my pants wet when i went <laughs> running through sloshing through the <laughs> I, I had to park a long way from there you know and and uh, i was pretty wet when i got in there i it, it, i just wonder if some people might have gotten out to their cars and thought oh man i don't know and you know a lot of people have to park even further away than i did sometimes i can predict what you're going to say the phrase "it sure made my pants wet" was not a phrase I thought I was going to hear today. <laughs> well, that's that's what the iron is for. <laughs> okay, that's, that's <laughs> just so I want to make sure you understand. <laughs> that's why I have that in my golf bag. My lower legs were wet. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was still it was a remarkable crowd. But Illinois, two things happened. They Indiana has really good defense, and they took mm-hmm. Cook out of the game. She got some her points, but she was nothing like she was there. And number two, Illinois had no answer for Mackenzie Holmes. They tried everything yeah. and they had no answer. She was almost scoring at will. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. It was almost like playing Purdue with Edie. Mm-hmm. It was thirty once and ten got for her. The, once she got the ball, I thought once once she got the ball it was almost too late. You almost have to front her beforehand. And it's a shame because all three games that they've lost were lost for that reason, the yeah. same reason. Of course, twice against Indiana, and it's it's in Ohio State. It's their vulnerability, and 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 Kendall Bostic plays her heart and soul out. Yeah, um, and she's good in other aspects of the game, but they just don't have anybody who can guard a big center. Well, and Holmes is an All American. Okay, you know she's she's more than an average center because mm-hmm. uh, she she's just. She's got great touch, great angles, everything. I mean, Indiana's number six for a reason, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. And I think Indiana was the better team. Oh, yeah. I, I don't have any problem with that. I mean, they, they beat Illinois twice. But the the first game, I think Illinois kind of caught them by surprise and, and took them right to the very end. This game was over in the third quarter. Now, they did, they did cut the lead under 10 at one time late. But uh, basically, this game was decided – it was kind of decided in the second quarter, and then in the third quarter, it was it was pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, Illinois was kind of in a lucky spot to be down six at halftime because of the way the game was trending, mm-hmm. and they came out in the second half and just they threw punch after punch down low, and 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 Holmes went off, and there was there was absolutely no stopping her, and then Illinois would be making baskets. And Indiana was beating them down the floor the other way, and that's not because Illinois is a slow team. I mean, no. I think Indiana just can match their athletic. Illinois has pretty good athleticism, and, and Indiana can match it, especially I with think Sean was happy when they beat Illinois down the court. No, <laughs> uh, I was in earshot, and she was less than wow. pleased. Uh, but but it, she has not been shy about. They don't have depth, mm-hmm. and you can see it. They 
you know, you got two reserve guards coming off, and then whenever Bostic needs a spell or is in foul trouble, they got to go to their backup bigs, but they just don't have enough there. And, and they tried everything against Holmes, and nothing, none of it worked. Nope. None of it worked. So it, it, it's disappointing, but the better team won, and it was a great turnout. Uh, Indiana's head coach, Terry Moore, and if we get time, we'll play it, uh, you know, gave a shout-out. By the way, she broke a program record for most wins at Indiana last night. Mm-hmm. With her 189th, there was a little bit of a. Some people didn't like how Indiana did a little celebration after the game on on center court, um, and and the crowd kind of booed booed them out because Shauna Green was trying to address the crowd. I don't think it was intentional, but these two things coincided, and some people took exception to it. It was interesting moment, but. Uh, well, Indiana I, was the, in the dumps. The Indiana key thing was, now is to, is to continue to win enough games, get in the tournament, and see what you can do in the tournament. I mean, that's where they are. They're not going to win the Big Ten championship, but they can make a good run in here and finish high. There's a there's a this has been a big advance uh, for the for the program, and I thought that turnout last night was really good, particularly considering the weather. Yep. Sounds like they need to open up a few more bathrooms, I hear. But uh, <laughs> when is that, that right? Occurred, yeah, I heard there was not enough bathrooms open, according to some people. So we'll, you know, got, got to be ready for the bigger crowds now because they're winning. All right, we're back in a moment. Zach Osterman, Indianapolis star, will talk to us about the Hoosiers, and the men will play them tonight. Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Thank you for joining us on Sports Talk. I'm Scott Beatty along with Lauren Tate. Just getting rolling tonight. Illinois and Indiana. The Hoosiers are in town. Illinois will play the Hoosiers in Bloomington a little bit later in the season. Covering Indiana basketball and Indiana sports. It is... Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star, and he's kind enough to join us en route to the State Farm Center. Zach, welcome back to Sports Talk. Always good to visit with you. Visit with you, my friend. Always good to be on with you guys. Another year. Yeah, you probably uh, probably have tire tracks just to follow in that you've made previously on I seventy four a few times. Yeah, no, just uh, you know, my, my one stop is Trip Ditch Brewing. I'm a sucker for. Uh, a little craft beer, and it's for my money as good as any you can get in the conference. Don't don't tell those uh, don't tell those spotted cow weirdos up in Madison any different. <laughs> now you're talking my language with spotted cow, but you know Triptych <laughs> is right down the street for me, so I can go get that anytime. Um, hey, uh, I- Indiana was supposed to win the league, and the season's not <laughs> over. But what's going on? Is it is it just as simple as the injuries to Race Thompson and, and Xavier Johnson? It's not quite that simple. That is obviously part of it. Um, you know, if you, I mean, if you take those two guys, you're, if you include this season, that's two guys with 11 combined years of college basketball. And, you know, Thompson, as, we, you know, as I imagine Mike come up talking about the matchup tonight, Thompson is kind of your best wing, forward, hybrid defender. Xavier Johnson, in addition to being a fifth-year point guard, is also far and away your best perimeter defender, especially for the way Indiana wants to pressure the ball on the perimeter. And I think that there are some things that really set in for Indiana before those guys got hurt, particularly just not sort of finding the, the, the intensity and consistency defensively that they had a year ago. Um, but I think that, that, you know, finding the solutions essentially has been a lot more difficult because those two guys have been out. And I think that's why, 
Indiana should probably be encouraged by the way they beat Wisconsin over the weekend. But in the same breath, I think it's why tonight might be difficult for Indiana just from a matchup perspective. What uh, Trace Jackson Davis is is obviously the centerpiece of the offense, and he's a great wing. I think, I think that Illinois could limit him pretty well between Coleman Hawkins and and some of the others they have down there. So, do you see it that way? And and if so, does Indiana have enough firepower anywhere else? Yeah, I think uh, the one thing I will say is I think that you know Trace's struggles against. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis' struggles against Illinois in the past have been often very much Kofi Coburn-based. Um, and, 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 I mean, like, he's, he's hardly the only one. But, you know, one of Jackson Davis's biggest sort of mountains to climb as a, as a college big man has been essentially dealing with players that are as skilled as he is but more physically strong. I think he's gotten better at that. Um, I think he'll obviously be happy not to see Kofi Coburn, or as, as Mike Woodson very affectionately used to refer to him, big fella Kofi, uh, in the post for Illinois tonight in this season. But I think it's going to be one where either A, I mean, listen, the numbers speak for themselves of how good Illinois has been, not just in the Big Ten, but nationally, opponent two-point percentage, opponent effective field goal percentage, block percentage, block rate. Um, it's either A, going to be Jackson Davis, really playing one of his best games of the Big Ten season, and he's had some good ones already. Uh, and it should be said, he's playing under the weather. He's had a back problem for a lot of the year. Basically, it sounds like he's essentially not practicing. He's only playing most weeks. Um, or Indiana's going to need to knock down shots. Now, they have been a better three-point shooting team this season. Uh, not always. They're not automatic. They're not one of the, you know, most elite teams in the country. They don't take a ton of them still. They take more than they did a year ago, but still very much below the national mean from an attempts per game perspective. But they have more guys that if they can get them shots in rhythm, the shots will go down more often. I think this is a game where if Indiana's going to have a chance to win, it's also going to have to be because Indiana gets Trace Jackson Davis going a little bit and then makes some shots off of him because I don't see this being a game, again, from a matchups perspective where Indiana can kind of live with, you know, the, the offense they were playing in the first half against Wisconsin. It was 21-20 to 20 at halftime. Indiana could live with that because I think some of the matchups favored them, even with the guys they have out injured. Um, I don't think they can get away with that tonight. I think that means they're going to have to get some, some better-than-average offensive performances. They are a better offensive team than they were a year ago, even with the guys that are out hurt. But it's Illinois on the road. You can't just say, oh, we're definitely going to score 75 tonight. It just doesn't work that way. Talking with Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star, ahead of Illinois and Indiana tonight. Zach, this is Lauren. I'll get back to the game in a moment. But I'm intrigued by this question is, what is Indiana's number one rival? Is it, is it Kentucky? Is it Purdue? Is it Ohio State? Where does Illinois fit? Uh, I think it's, it's – it's a mix between Purdue and Kentucky, and it's, it's, you know, I think that there are probably times when, like right now, when it's Purdue, largely because they're not playing Kentucky. Um, and so, essentially, the, the game is, and also, frankly, because for a while now, and let's just be honest about it, Indiana has kind of been staring up the Big Ten ladder at Purdue. Um, and so, I mean, for the last, you know, a lot of the last decade, 
Indiana has struggled to keep pace with Purdue, while Purdue has obviously been in and around the conference title race a lot in that stretch, made some NCAA tournament runs in that stretch, obviously produced some really good players in that stretch. Um, I think when Indiana, you know, has kind of been at its peak in the last 30, 40 years, Kentucky has also been firmly in that conversation. But, I mean, Indiana and Kentucky haven't – their series was discontinued after the 2012 season, and I do think it's coming back. But, you know, they've only played, trying to remember, once since then, which was an NCAA tournament round of 32 games. So that wasn't a game anybody set up. That That was sort of handed to them by the selection committee. Um, it's definitely those two. And then, I mean, I, I don't think Indiana fans see Illinois as a natural rival. I think that it's one of the matchups, it, it's one of the series in the conference that can become more intense when both schools are good. Um, obviously, I think we can all remember what it was like around the Eric Gordon. I know that came up on Twitter this week with Chester Frazier and all that. But I think when both programs are competing at a, at a pretty high level, and both programs are, you know, contending or in and around, let's say, the top four, top five in the league, I think it's a, a series that can get more intense. Like, if, I guess what I'm trying to say is if, let's say, Indiana and Illinois played and they were both ranked in the top 15, I think that would be a more intense, fierce game than, like, if Indiana and Maryland played or even if Indiana and Iowa played under the same circumstances. But I don't think that yeah, I don't think Indiana fans circle Illinois on the schedule every year and say that's a rivalry game in the same way they do Purdue and the same way they do Kentucky. I don't think there's anybody else in the league outside Purdue and anybody else outside the league but Kentucky that Indiana fans see as sort of a no matter when, no matter where, no matter what, that is a a rivalry game that we, you know, just absolutely need to win. Well, tell us about Hood Shafino. Looks like one of the best freshmen maybe in the country. What do you see in him? He's gotten a lot better in the last few weeks, and I think you know some of it is probably acclimating to college. I think some of it is, is frankly, probably you know just having to take on more responsibility. I think he has he's still got weaknesses. He still turns the ball over a little bit too much. I think he's started to struggle more defensively as he had to put more of his focus and energy and emphasis into his offensive game because Indiana just needs him to score more. Um, but he has turned into a legitimate shot maker for Indiana. He can make mid-range and three-point. Um, as much as the turnovers have been a bit of an issue for him, he's been even better distributing the ball. You know, I mean, it, it, listen, they're 2-4 and four in the conference, so I'm not going to act like, you know, it's all plain sailing right now for Indiana, but they'd be much worse off if Jalen Huchifino had not stepped up with Xavier Johnson out. And if this season does kind of get back on track in the next, you know, let's say month or so, he's going to play a big role in it. And he's just been, you know, he's, he has just been kind of one of those players that consistently gives Indiana what they need. Now, again, it hasn't always been enough to win, but like the Northwestern game that they lost, he scored 33 points. He had a ton of big buckets in that game in the second half that if those don't go down, Indiana doesn't even have a chance. Saturday against Wisconsin, Indiana only made one of eight threes. But Hood Shafino making a ton of mid-range twos was a big part of what answered every sort of mini-run Wisconsin tried to put together. Every time Wisconsin tried to turn the screws defensively, Butchafino just found himself a little bit of space in the mid-range where most guys aren't supposed to be very efficient shooting the ball, and he made a lot of those shots. Um, And he's not seen – he was also dealing with back problem earlier in the year. I don't get the sense that it's been quite a nagging issue for him the way Trace Jackson Davis has been dealing with his. Um, But I I think he's – He's just been one of those guys that, 
Wayne Indiana has looked at him and said, tonight we need you to do X. He has been able to give a good effort in that regard. He's good rebounding the ball for a guard. Um, you know, again, when he's maybe not had to carry so much of the offensive load, he's been better defensively. And I just think that, that if Indiana is going to turn this season around in any meaningful way, get back into the NCAA tournament, you know, get back into, like, the top half of the conference, I mean, this is one of those things that when I say it, I think it surprises most people. Indiana is the only team in the conference that has not finished above 500 in league play once since 2017. Everybody else has done it at least one time. If that streak's going to end this year, Jalen Hushafino is going to be a big piece of it. And I do suspect that as long as he stays healthy, um, he's going to factor heavily into the freshman of the year race. Zach, before we let you go, I don't know if you saw it since you've been on the road, but Mike Bray is retiring at the end of the year from Notre Dame. And he he's had such a, a an interesting career at Notre Dame and a very impactful one and yet when i think of college basketball in the state of indiana maybe it's cuz i'm in the big 10 world but i think of indiana and purdue and then i think of butler and and i just forget oh yeah notre dame's up there with a basketball team it's the opposite of course when it comes to football but uh, that might be a prize job when at the end of the year yeah, it's funny. I actually, my first year out of college, I covered Notre Dame basketball. Um, and Bray's, I mean, from a reporter's perspective, Bray's great. He's accessible. He's funny. He's a great storyteller. You know, quietly, if you look at, if we were to sit down and look at all the players he's coached and the teams he's built, um, I think he's a, a, a hugely underappreciated coach in some respects. Could build some absolutely elite offensive teams uh, in his peak years at Notre Dame. I will say just, as, again, as somebody who lived up there for a little while, Notre Dame just kind of feels a little bit separate to the state in general. Um, it's, it, you know, it, it, that, that whole area calls itself the Michiana area. It's a lot of, like, small towns that have kind of grown into one another as the years have gone on, and half of them are in Indiana, half of them are up in Michigan. So it almost sort of feels like you're half in Indiana and half in Michigan, and then, of course, you're only a couple hours from Chicago, so there's always, I mean, you're, you're closer to Chicago than you are Indianapolis, um, both from in terms of just how long the drive is and also how convenient it is to just get on 94 rather than, you know, having to take state roads and, and you know, get on four-lane highways down 31 to Indy through small towns and stuff like that. So I think there's always been an extent to which Notre Dame has felt a little bit removed from the state, but it has always been a place that, has recruited its area well when you think about Demetrius Jackson, when you think about Blake Wesley. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it's a place that, again, I mean, Mike Bray is the winningest coach there. He has had a lot of success. He's won, I think, what, two ACC titles, been to a couple of Elite Eights. Obviously, before that, Notre Dame played in the Big East, and there were some, you know, I mean, some of the, some of the most fun atmospheres I've ever been around, and I've been in some great ones in the Big Ten, but those big Monday visits when Notre Dame would host top 10 UConn or top 10 Syracuse, and that place would be full and it would be rocking, would be so fun. Um, and just selfishly as a reporter, like I covered Bray right out of college, and for a, a young reporter who was still trying to figure out how to do the job, having a coach that was, again, just so accessible and so laid back and always good to give you a quote, always would always give you five minutes on the phone for a story, whatever, um, was, you know, hugely helpful to me when I was young and had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I think he's, I mean, for me anyway, he's 
probably a, a Hall of Famer in terms of college basketball Hall of Fame. I don't know what the how high the bar is for that, but I'd vote him into it. And quietly, he's also um, probably the most successful sort of former Mike Krzyzewski assistant, if you think about it. He's, he kind of sets apart from those other guys because he didn't play for Krzyzewski. But, you know, he was one of the first to kind of follow Krzyzewski's path, you know, through Duke and come out of Duke to Delaware and then Notre Dame. He's had a lot of success there. So whoever takes over for him is getting a good job, um, is getting a job with a lot of money and a lot of access to kind of a combination of recruiting the Midwest but also being able to go out east because it is Notre Dame um, and a place that, frankly, has expectations but not insane ones such that you'll get some time to, to build your culture there and you'll get some time to, you know, sort of sink your roots and you can have the odd bad season and nobody is going to, you know, just absolutely sort of burn the house down on you. Uh, I think Mike Brady's done a really good job. And, and while obviously I don't think he's – I think his peak years have not been his, his last years, I do think he's going to leave that program in, in a good spot for somebody who comes behind him. Good stuff, Zach. Hey, safe uh, travels here into – State Farm Center. Make sure you get a good stock uh, where you uh, where you're stopping there before the game or after wherever that is. And uh, we we appreciate talking to you. We'll see you at the arena. Absolutely, we're the other side of Ogden, so we'll see you soon. <laughs> Very good. Thanks a lot, Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star. Bray, I just wonder. Don't you wonder how the NIL affects a guy like that? It's been around a long time, and is all of a sudden seeing that he's in a business of buying players. He's 63, which is not old. No, but he, I just know guys that have coached a long time are really upset with what's going yeah. on right now. Mm-hmm. It's a game they don't like playing. Yeah. Or but it's game a they game they have you played. better play. <laughs> it's a game they had to play in different ways before. Yeah. And thanks for Zach Osterman there joining us. We come back in a moment. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Hey, it's Colin Likas from the News Gazette. Monday night, we take an in-depth look at area high school hoops. It's Prep Basketball Confidential, right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Sports Talk rolling along. Hour two, we'll have Evan Kahn and the voice you just heard, Colin Likas, down to the bottom of the hour next hour, and then Lauren and I will be at the State Farm Center for pregame coverage, and Evan will be with you afterwards to the postgame show. Little football information, not a lot, but some. Um, Danzel Daxon, D-A-X-O-N, defensive lineman from the University of Ohio. Ohio University, not Ohio State, is coming in to help the defensive line. And Kamari Thompson, who was a receiver who wasn't used very much, has transferred, has entered the portal from Illinois. So just uh, just a little bit of news there. And I also picked up the uh, Tom Fernelli uh, uh, put out his uh, top 20 returnees. People who return this year to play football in this country and will play next season who could have been drafted. And both of the uh, Illini tackles, uh, Randolph and Newton, were among the 20 players. And most of those 20 were either quarterbacks or um, receivers or running backs. Like Corum, as an example. Corum is a Michigan running back. Yeah. As Robert Rosenthal mentioned yesterday, or tweeted about yesterday, Illinois in the Big Ten is the most honored returning defensive lineman, and that includes outside linebackers in Illinois' system. That's not everything because there's other players that step up or, or, or transfer in or whatever, but in terms of all Big Ten players, Illinois has got four coming back, including Gabe Akis. 
as a freshman. Well, they're trying to fortify the defensive line uh, in the the nose tackle position, and that's why they brought Daxon in from the University of Iowa. He's played the last – he's played about 20 games in the last couple years. He hasn't been a great player, but he's been a good player for for Ohio, and hopefully he can take a step forward and and, uh, probably will back up Edwards at the nose tackle this year, I would guess. Tommy DeVito is going to be in the East-West Shrine game, so is Alex Palczewski. Line of offensive linemen, so a quarterback and an O lineman in, in that game. There's several players that I, you know, clearly are going into the draft and are going to be drafted. And then there's others trying to make an impression on pro scouts to get to the next level. And the answer to why players play in this that might not play in a bowl game, they're playing for the NFL now. Mm-hmm. This is this is trying. This is a NFL test. Yep. So go figure. <laughs> Go figure, but not those aren't necessarily players that opted out. No, bowls. no, no, not necessarily. But there are players who opted out who are are playing in these games, not ours. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I don't know. Do we have anybody else that might play uh, from from Illinois in any any of these All Star games? I get it. I, I think there's a few. I think there's a few more. But that I, opted out. Uh, I don't know that necessarily opted out of the game. But that might play in these. Well, we had we had Witherspoon, we had Chase Brown, we had Sidney Brown all opted out of the game, and I just wonder are they playing in any of these games? And I don't remember. I now. don't know that those three are. I should know. Jim Harbaugh, according to Pete Thamel at ESPN, uh, is prolonging the NCAA's look into his uh, infractions case because. Um, he's not acknowledging that he lied to NCAA investigators. He is refusing to acknowledge that and has maintained that he doesn't remember the incident in question, which has led to a standstill in the case. This, of course, uh, uh, is happening in the context of him committing to come back to play or to coach at Michigan by telling his president and not his athletic director, while his offensive coordinator, one of them, got in trouble this week for a computer access crime. Yep, innocent until proven guilty, and I, I I guess that's essentially hacking. I don't, I've never heard of these things, but it 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 never stops with put just get the popcorn out and just watch what happens at Michigan, and in the meantime, they're a legitimate contender for a national championship next year. Maybe that's why they're being looked at more carefully. I don't get it over there. It's it's just a, a little bit different when it comes to Jim Harbaugh and Ward Manuel and the whole Michigan uh, athletic operation, but they, they're competitive and or championship caliber teams in a whole lot of sports, not just football. I know men's basketball is not having the year they wanted, but generally when you see you're playing Michigan in a sport, that team is good. Does, is there anything about Woodson that makes you think that he might be in any trouble? Um, if year. if the Indiana Hoosier fans were making the hire or the fire, yes, <laughs> just, they don't have a lot of patience That's right. for Mike Woodson. But I think he was a good hire. Yeah, I think he was a good hire. We'll come back for transition next. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. A little unusual to be getting this much rain in January, 
But uh, if this kind of rain or any other is giving you problems in your home when it comes to leaks or even more significant damage, CU Under Construction can help you. CU Under Construction and their sister company, CU Trade Services, with experts in plumbing, heating, cooling, and electricity, can help take care of any kind of damage that comes up from uh, storms. We've had some strong storms in the last month or so. Just keep them in mind if you don't have any problems right now, but something comes up, they do know how to handle the claims process. And the most important thing they want you to know is to not rush anything. As long as you're not in an emergency situation, take time to get a claims adjustment and then give CU Under Construction a call. They know how to work through the claims process. They've done it plenty. They have a whole dedicated office staff in addition to their workers and service experts that can come out and help get things done. New exteriors, roofs, something in the interior, they can handle it. So CU Under Construction, remember them for any storm damage repair. Hey, Illini family, it's Brad Underwood. We'll see you tonight at the State Farm Center and catch game day coverage starting two hours before tip-off right here on DWS. Senior Bowl roster includes Devin Witherspoon, both Brown brothers, and Quan Martin. So the three of them, all but Quan, um, you know. Opted out of the bowl. And... I don't know. I mean, it, it, maybe it's handled in a different way. Uh, you know, again, There's I understand why they didn't play in the bowl game. There's still a risk for injury. They are a risk for injury, but you could say this is a audition, an audition. Yes, it is. In in a way that, for however, it is not in the same way when you're playing with a college team. But certainly scouts watch those games yep. and see all that film. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not trying to, I, you know, it's into territory. I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not judging it. I, I can't, you know, I was asked that question and, and I, I just, I, I don't know what to say because, uh, you know, if you're still playing football and, and you can get hurt. But, yeah. I mean, uh, you can get hurt working out. You can get hurt in training yeah, camp. You can yeah. get hurt in a preseason game. Yeah. So uh, there's, there's an inherent in risk. Bowl, can't get hurt in a bowl game if you don't play, can you? <laughs> I guess not, unless you slip on some water in the tunnel or something yeah. like that, right? All right, sir, we're going to commute over to the State Farm Center, and we'll have more of this and uh, we'll at, at the bottom of the hour. But feels like a game Illinois should be able to win. Well, I, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's not a gimme. I'm not saying Illinois is a huge favorite here, but I think that they're the better team tonight. You just never know when a team's going to come out and hit a bunch of shots. I mean, we've, we've seen – Half we've seen play, teams play great for a half and terrible for the same half, That's same true. night. You know, it's just crazy. All right, see you in a minute. Mm-hmm. Evan and Colin are next. News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign Urbana. The second hour of sports talk and pregame next after the news. For hour two of sports talk, or maybe hour fifteen minutes of sports talk here on DWS, getting ready for game day. Long night here of Illinois basketball coverage for you, Evan Kahn. In for the next few minutes with Colin Likas, who 
I don't even know how we got you in studio, Colin. You're the, the busiest man in sports right now. Yeah. You're doing the preps thing. You're doing the <laughs> Illinois football thing, the basketball thing. I don't know how you have time. So uh, thank you for joining. Hey, no problem. Yeah, I'm sure I'm not the busiest, but, uh, you know, it's it's a busy time of year, that's for sure. But a uh, fun time of year, too. And uh, yeah, looking, over to get, looking forward to getting over to State Farm Center, I should say, for uh, potentially a fifth straight Illinois win. I... You're, the Illini's basketball turn did not completely coincide with you jumping on the not, Illinois Not beat, entirely. But they have been playing better basketball of late here yeah. uh, since you, you've been on the beat. So what has stood out to you the, the biggest difference? Because you saw those last couple mm-hmm. of games before things turned. So what, what have you noticed uh, about the Illini that's different over the last couple weeks? Right. So, yeah, the one game that I – the first game that I saw in person was that Northwestern game, and that, that was – I, obviously, I've not seen every Illinois game in person this year. I have to imagine that's one of the worst efforts <laughs> they probably put forth this season, even though Brad Underwood was pretty happy afterward, all things considered. I think he kind of saw the writing on the wall and knew that maybe this was coming a little bit, and it just the execution wasn't quite there against Northwestern. The fouls, obviously, were a huge reason why that game looked so ugly. Um, they cleaned that up, for one. I mean, Minnesota's the first time in this four-game stretch where the fouling really kind of became more of an issue. Uh, it was a little, maybe a little bit in the Nebraska game, but they were up by so much mm-hmm. that it didn't matter at that point. Um, Minnesota game kind of turned out the same way. They were up by so much it ultimately didn't matter. But uh, Brad Underwood did make a, make a point yesterday in his media availability, no more slap fouls. There was one slap foul Coleman Hawkins had. You could, It was like a you, gunshot you going through. You could hear through. it on the radio call. It was loud. <laughs> it, the crowd audibly gasped when when it happened over at the barn in Minnesota. It was it was loud. Um just playing cleaner basketball for one has been really important. You're, you're mopping up the turnovers. You're doing well defensively to, you know, go straight up. Uh, it's resulted in a lot of block shots of the net, obviously, for Matthew Mayer and for Dane Danger as well. A few other guys, you know, Ty Rogers, Coleman Hawkins shipping in on that front. Uh, guys just uh, getting their roles settled in has obviously helped. You know, losing a, an athlete, a talent like Sky Clark, is not a is not a net positive, but a positive that comes out of it is the lineup kind of shook itself out to lack lack of a better phrase. You got an eight-man rotation turned into nine with Brandon Lieb against Minnesota, but uh, typically an eight-man rotation, and everybody seems to know exactly what they're doing and is very comfortable in their roles. Um, Just the competence is the last thing that I keep coming back to. This team, when they step on the floor right now, it's one of those where the shoulders are high, the heads are high, everybody is acting like, you know, that Northwestern game and some of the losses before that you know, they're in the past. Didn't happen. It's just we learn from them, but they those are way over, and that's not who we are anymore. We're not the Penn State team anymore, the Missouri team, the Northwestern team, whatever you want to say. We're the team that beat Wisconsin and Michigan State and, and Texas earlier in the year and some other good teams earlier in the year. So uh, it's a combination of factors, but I chalk it all up to just confidence and comfort playing mm-hmm. with each other and this rotation that they've got right now. So Illinois coming into this one 13 and five winners of four in a row mm-hmm. coming off that stretch where they would lose and then they would win. Mm-hmm. So it's good to to get back on the winning track. Looking for five in a row. Indiana coming to town. The Illini sitting six and a half point favorites right now. And if you watched Indiana play on Saturday, you mm-hmm. would think eh, that that, <laughs> that line's pretty big. But uh, if you look back to the previous ten games that Indiana has played, they're in a, a, a similar. They they're just kind of looking for for answers as yeah. they were sorting through the injury bug mm-hmm. and same thing. Guys trying trying to uh, 
find their roles, and so that'll come to a, a head here, the defending Big Ten champs against the preseason-picked Big Ten champs who are sitting at the bottom of the conference right now. Right, Illinois kind of dealt with it a little earlier where, you know, Luke Goody was obviously out from the very start. Then you lose a kid like Sky Clark midway through the season, and that's kind of the point where things started to turn a little bit. Indiana's just kind of dealing with that now, but even worse for them, they've got two guys who are mm-hmm. kind of bona fide guaranteed starters just gone in Xavier Johnson and Race Thompson and Trace uh, Jackson Davis had to pick up so much of the load. You know, being preseason player of the year as voted by the media, you expected him to carry a large load, and he's averaging nearly a double-double per game. So obviously he's doing pretty well in that regard. But when you're throwing out a bunch of guys who maybe didn't expect to play quite the minutes that they're getting right now for for IU, uh, you get some mixed results. And the Wisconsin win was good. Wisconsin seems to be a little bit of a mess right now uh, ever Mm -hmm. since they've been – uh, here in Champaign, it seems like things have just been kind of toppling for them. Uh, but uh, IU before that game, uh, some some ugly results to be sure. Some close ones, but some ugly ones as well. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see you know, beyond Trace Jackson Davis. We know what we're going to see from him tonight. He's going to probably take over parts of the game. He's going to get his, and it's not going to be necessarily a fault of the Illini or that they're not doing something right or not doing something well enough. It's that Trace Jackson Davis was voted a preseason player of the year for a reason. He's a really good basketball player. It's To me, it's how they manage that, how Illinois manages that, and then how they manage everybody, the rest of the party. If you let somebody else or two other guys start to go off for the Hoosiers as well, I think that kind of could spell out some problems mm-hmm. for Illinois. Yeah, Illinois has been doing a, a good job that, of that the last few games. Garcia wasn't able to, to mm-hmm. go off in, in the last game. The Michigan game, they let uh, Hogard shoot all he wanted to, but he wasn't getting it to, to anybody no. else. So similar but different kind of situation sure. with the, the big man Trace Jackson Davis in the State Farm Center tonight against the Illini. So that's at 7.30. Pre-game coverage gets going here in about 14, 13 minutes over at the State Farm Center I think Scott Beatty and Lauren Tate are headed over there to get ready for that. Uh, plenty of Big Ten games actually tonight. I never really considered Wednesday a, a big basketball night, but Rutgers and Michigan State are playing, Purdue and Minnesota. I think Purdue's played Minnesota five times now, so <laughs> they've got to be done with that after tonight and, and Michigan and Maryland as well. And as we were saying, Illinois started the year 0-3 in the Big Ten, and now after four wins, and you look at everybody else in the conference outside of Purdue and maybe Penn State and even Rutgers, I, mm-hmm. I think, is coming off of a loss. Everybody's kind of had their ups and downs here through the, the early part of the season. So yeah. everything's still on the line here as we sit in mid-January. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how the Big Ten standings are kind of shaking out at this point in that they're not really shaking out. I mean, Purdue has, to a certain extent, pulled away, but it's not a comfortable pull away. Mm-hmm. It's like if they have two bad games in a row they're all of a sudden going to be back with everybody else and it doesn't even have to be bad games it could just be the other team plays better um Rutgers being in second place that's kind of crazy I'm not sure everybody expected that coming into the season but there's certainly some talent and athleticism on that roster Michigan being in third going into tonight maybe a little more expected maybe not I'm not I'm not quite sure but it's really a mishmash you know below Purdue uh, you know, six and one, I believe the Boilermakers are. Everybody else has at least two losses in Big Ten play. Everybody's got at least one win after Minnesota beat Ohio State before they lost to Illinois. So it's just the Big Ten. That's how it goes. And man, it, it's tough to it's tough to play in a lot of Power Five, Power Six conferences. But uh, the Big Ten, you know, when you're playing. This will be the sixth game for Illinois in 16 days. Um, yeah. we, we were told yesterday, media members were told yesterday, Illinois hasn't had a day off since January 1st. 
Um, so that's what 18 consecutive days <laughs> in which they've been doing something, whether it's practicing, traveling, playing a game, or a combination of all that. Um, you know, the fact they're not playing until Tuesday, it might seem like that's really close by, but that's going to feel maybe like a little bit of an oasis for <laughs> Illinois. Although the way Brad Underwood describes it, he kind of says, you know, I think the players really enjoy, they really like this crowded schedule. Um, just keeps them busy, keeps them focused on basketball. Obviously, you got school to deal with at this point, but you know, it really keeps you focused on basketball. And, and maybe the players do like being locked into that as opposed to, you know, that preseason, pre-conference schedule where mm-hmm. you play once every week for a little while. Yeah, it, it did get a little weird there. And as you mentioned, six games in, in 16 days. I remember that it's Thursday, not mm. Wednesday. So, yeah, we're, we're all going through it. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> we're all going through it a, a, a little bit here. But nonetheless, Illinois and Indiana coming up tonight at 7.30. And the, the, the other beat that you're on is a, a pretty big one. And, and I imagine you've got your eye Thursday night. That's still varsity girls basketball night. So mm-hmm. got that going on and yep. boys basketball and, and all other winter activities. All other winter activities. Yeah, plenty of plenty of stuff going on uh, over in St. Joe last Tuesday. Watched uh, Prairie Central's boys beat St. Joe in what was a quality defensive struggle. Prairie Central's <laughs> a really good team this year. St. Joe's a good team in their own right, but Prairie Central looks very good. Looks very uh, potentially like a team we could be seeing at State Farm Center later on here uh, next month or in March, I should say. Uh, Tuscola girls basketball still undefeated on the season. Only a local team we have that's undefeated. They're 23-0. Their game tonight against Meridian was postponed. I'm not sure why. Hmm. Um, just found out about that about an hour ago. But Meridian is a team that has struggled all year, so probably would have been 24-0 for Tuscola. And they actually opened the conference tournament on Saturday against who else? Meridian on <laughs> Saturday. So um, we'll see if that game happens, too. I'm not sure if that's a, a, you know, a Northwestern COVID issue or if there's a shortage of numbers or something like that. Uh, but um, at any rate, uh, yeah, I'll be uh, Friday night. I'll be over in Tolono, not that far from here. Rantoul against Unity Boys Basketball. Should be an intriguing matchup. Rantoul, 6-13, uh, and 13, which doesn't seem like a great record, but they have struggled to win games over the last few seasons, and they are a lot closer to 500 than their record suggests. Uh, they've been playing pretty well, pretty well as a group, and Unity is a team that's kind of closer to 500 also at 12-7, and 13-7, and 7, but they are probably also a lot better than their record suggests, so I'm really curious to see how this matchup goes. And along with basketball, I saw St. Thomas More has another mm-hmm. volleyball coach. But yeah. yet again, it looks like a good one that yeah. they know and should be able to continue that success that they've got going over there. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. You know, at those the private schools, obviously coach turnover is a little more frequent than at the public schools. That's just kind of the way it tends to tends to go. Uh, the coaches aren't always, you know, teachers at the school mm-hmm. or things mm-hmm. like that. So movement's a little easier. Um, but yeah, Evan Hook had a good one season with STM. His, uh, he's, I'll be writing a story that will, I think, appear in Saturday's News Gazette. They are expecting their third child any day now, oh. so that was pretty much the impetus for that, for, for that change. Makes sense. Um, but brought them to a Class 1A super sectional, which is one win away from state. Obviously, that's kind of the level STM is, is known for at this point. Kelly McClure coached the team before that, who, side note, her son is now a walk-on with the Illinois football team, which mm. is going to be a very interesting story moving forward. Um, that, that's something that kind of popped out of nowhere, at least for me, uh, last week. But getting back to the topic at hand, yeah, Brad Dalton, the new coach of the St. Thomas More Volleyball Program, he's he was at St. Teresa, another private school, won a state championship there in 2019, and 
and was the coach at STM right before Stan Bergman showed up and start kind of kick-started STM being a state power that we've kind of known them to be in small school volleyball uh, where they're winning or contending for multiple state championships. So, yeah, I got to talk with Brad Dalton yesterday. Sounds like he's excited and has a good vision for this STM team. It's one of those things where the program's in such good shape, you don't need to come in here and overhaul or really do any grand designs of changing things. Kind of just, you know, implement your vision as much as you can without upsetting the order of things too much get to know the girls and just go to work and they're gonna they're gonna do well regardless of what system you put them in very rarely do coaches get that kind of situation no. yeah, where, where you're, you're taking over success and mm-hmm. it's like don't don't mess this up yeah. uh, essentially no exactly <laughs> it's uh you know maybe maybe a comparable um for since you're a Clinton grad, I mean, Vic Binkley walking in over at Clinton, I know they weren't coming off a good season, but from what I understand, just so much talent flush in the boys' basketball program over there that when you get a coach like Vic Binkley who had so much success at Warrensburg-Latham right next door to Clinton, I'm sure he was well aware that Clinton was maybe on an upward trajectory, and then you add a good coach to the mix, and now they're 17-4 and four on the season <laughs> after they won like five or six games last year. So, yeah, getting to walk into success, not common, especially in the high school ranks, but when you do, it's, it's probably a lot of fun as a coach i'd have to imagine yeah similar to clinton i I guess and this illinois basketball team they've shown that structure is something that they needed on on both Mm -hmm. the offensive and defensive side and and structure has been good for them and a lot of the times especially in basketball Mm -hmm. there's just so much going on the game gets going a a thousand miles an hour when you're actually on the floor so having a, a a little structure and knowing where you're going uh, ha- has been beneficial to the Illini, and they'll try to make it five in a row here tonight against Indiana. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you look at the other side of the coin where Shauna Green was walking into a situation where there was no recent success, and all of a sudden we're, sell- we're getting 6,000 people into State Farm Center for, for the women's game. It's absolutely fantastic seeing the visuals from that last night. I know they wanted the win, but, you know, the direction that's going, you get praised by the opposing coach after after the game for pushing women's basketball in a positive direction. Uh, it's pretty crazy how how fast Illinois women's basketball is rising here in the Shauna Green era. The crowd sounded great through the radio mm-hmm. broadcast here on, on DWS last night. You, you you mentioned the number, just huge, huge, yeah. something that, that I haven't seen since I've no. been over here for uh, about 10 years now, so that's exciting. Coming off of a loss, but as Lauren and Scott were talking about uh, last hour, you can see Indiana's the, the better team, and there, yeah, there's sure. no fault for that. And you can also see the progress to, to where the women's basketball program ha- has come in just three months, not even three months. Yep, and now you just get into a situation where now Illinois is the team that's expected to win certain matchups. You know, you got your Ohio States and your Indianas that are tough <laughs> matchups, and if you win them, that's awesome, but maybe not everybody expects it outside of the locker room. But then, you you know, you got your Wisconsin's and your Rutgers teams that you need to take care of. And now Illinois is in a position where they are being looked upon to do that instead of being the team that everybody looked upon to be like, OK, we go to Champaign or they come to us and we're going to take care of that and just move on to our next game. Now Illinois gets to be the team that that's on the fun side of that, which is pretty cool for them. And we know the expectation with men's basketball is that they should win every game. They should win every right. game by 30. And, <laughs> right. and still, they probably didn't do enough. So hopefully all 15,560 or whatever it is that sell out the State yeah. Farm Center show up tonight. Should be a, a good atmosphere over at the State Farm Center. Looking forward to it. And uh, thanks to everyone who's going to follow along with us. Yeah, and you, you have... Sports entertainment I to do. tend to, right? Ron Strowman waiting over at, over at the arena um, for you. I'm going to see if he, uh, he'll bench press me over his head or something like that. Yeah, WWE superstar, giant mountain of a man. 
Looking forward to chatting with him. That, that was a fun opportunity I got presented with this week. All right, you'll have to grab Robin and make sure she gets yeah, a picture absolutely. of that if he, <laughs> he does pick you up. So try to find some time, but I know you're a busy man, so thanks for, for hanging out. Yeah. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, glad to be on. Thanks. There's Colin Likas. Follow him at Likus And also at newsgazette.com and in the pages of the News Gazette. Illinois game day coming up next. Scott and Lauren getting you set for Illinois and Indiana.